The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Michter's American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Fred here. So excited to have you. We've got an incredible guest here in Fee Waybuild. She's a beauty. Of course, I'm not wearing uh, high heels or, um, you know, doing you know, faux sex parties on stage, which you're going to learn a lot about that in this interview. Fee Waybuild, ladies and gentlemen, has some crazy stories to tell. So grab your popcorn and giddy up. But first, a word from our sponsors. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single-barrel and small-batch whiskey. Hard-made the Colorado way. Our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined, and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. I am a, um, I'm basically a whiskey critic. I'm an author. I started getting recruited by uh, festival promoters to come in and do uh, whiskey-related uh, stages at music festivals. And, really? Yeah, and so I was trying to, I was trying to do, uh, you know, to bring whiskey to music more. And so I would end up having my own stage at a at a music festival, uh-huh. and um, and would interview distillers and and whiskey makers and blenders and bartenders and stuff like that. And we kind of became like you know like a lot of festivals will have a comedian tent, you know we'd have a we'd have a whiskey tent. You know? So whiskey. it was okay. And so that's kind of that's kind of how it started. But my my passion for music has always been huge. I, I can't play anything. I can't sing anything. Like I have no musical talent whatsoever, you know. So I, I am not worthy in that sense. My 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 superpower is drinking. So <laughs> oh, okay. okay, I was gonna say we're gonna just start tasting whiskey, and this interview is gonna devolve into you know the real truth. I'm well, afraid. that's you know that is that is always the fun part, and 
And it's not a, I'm not a gotcha guy or anything like that. I'm just uh, here to have some fun and sip some whiskey with some, some great okay. people. And I actually, I sent you more than whiskey. I sent you, yeah. uh, I sent you a Diplomatico Ambassador Rum from Venezuela. Oh, this is rum. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I sent you. Chapin one old. So chop, chopping, chopping and gore. This this bottle right here, you know, this is from, um, you know, this is from like the '60s and '70s. So this is something that, you know, wow. you know, you the tubes forms in 1971, 72. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, about '72, and then our first album was was '75. So this would have been uh, this would have been on the shelves when uh when your first album came out wow so i wanted to, wow. i wanted to I'm, I'm a big fan of this one so i'm so excited for you to have that okay. and then uh what was my whiskey of the year in 2018 uh a 15 year old uh barrel uh bourbon it's a blend of straights it's yeah. very fantastic like and then we're head we're heading on over to uh, to Colorado to drink some uh, some Colorado bourbon. So oh, I see this two ninety one, yeah, yeah. So we can we can sip all four. We can just pick two or three or one. I I, I whatever you want, man. All right. I'm good. I'm whatever. I'm good. It's only eleven o'clock out here, so it's a little early for me to start drinking. Well, but you know, it's, <laughs> I got nothing else happening today. I have another interview in about three hours but uh but i'll i'm good got it well i tell you what i want to be i want to taste it uh the it's a tasting and conversation so um okay. you know when you there's a say in here kentucky you can't drink all day unless you start early in the morning so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good okay okay so, well, what are we starting with though uh, I was thinking about that, and I, I kind of want to start with, you know, the chopping and gore, and let's, and as we, this is a vintage, this is such a beautiful, beautiful old representation of how bourbon used to be made, you know, it's just, I mean, first of all, look at this, look at this jug, you know, this is, yeah. they don't make them like that anymore, right, now, they're, now, they're, now they're plastic. Yeah, and that's not exact. That's like what a gallon. Yeah, it's. it's I don't. I mean, I don't think it's a full gallon. Let's see what the uh, actual um, proof here. It's uh, one point seven five liters, fifty nine point wow. two fluid ounces. Okay, are you ready to try it? Let's, sip it. Let's do it. So when I'm when I'm tasting bourbon, I like to smell it first. Give it a little, give it a little bit yeah. of a smell, and then put it on your, put it on your palate. Smells good. Oh, that is tasty. So, talk about what it was like, you know, Ooh. for Ooh. your. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's really sweet. That's yeah. smooth. That's gonna be hard to beat. That's like, oh, uh, wow. This is so. When we look at the, uh, you could say she's a beauty, huh? <laughs> Catherine Gore, she's a beauty, eh? Totally. <laughs> I, uh, God, that's great. I, and this is going to ruin me because, uh, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we have, uh, we have whiskey on our rider. So part of our rider is for promoters to supply mm -hmm. to keep 
tequila. And for some reason, a couple of the guys drink tequila and me and me and the bass player, Rick and Roger, we drink whiskey and we've, oh my God, this is so good. And uh, uh, we started, gosh, we've kind of slowly upgraded. We kind of started with like Jack Daniels and they went, no, this is awful. And then we switched for a long time. We switched to uh, VO. And uh, then we switched to Johnny Walker and then Johnny Walker red and then Johnny Walker black. And then, uh, and then uh, now lately we've been doing maker's mark. Okay. And uh, so, and we, it's kind of a ritual with us, you know, we, we uh, all get around together and we all, you know, get a shot of whatever it is, tequila or whiskey, and we all have a shot together before we go on for a performance. And uh, and so, uh, for some reason, uh, Roger and I both think this way that you you can't it it's it's got to be brown if you're going to go and do a show. It's not tequila is just not the right thing for me anyway to perform on. But but if it's brown and if it's pretty smooth and uh, some I mean we used to do shivas and uh, but and then you know we decided well let's go let's really go up high grade and go for Johnny Walker Blue, which oh, is yeah. like three hundred dollars a bottle and the promoters just, they won't buy it they just went no sorry that's too expensive we we're not buying that and, well uh, well that's a that ain't cool. That's what. That's when you say, "Well, uh, maybe we're not playing uh, the song you want." You know? <laughs> right. So I wonder what is Chapin and Gore expensive? Is that so? This this whiskey this is extinct. So this is no longer in existence. So, uh, so this is uh, this we're product. Not yeah, that. yeah. This is this is you know this when it came out. You know we're looking at. Um, you know, we're looking at a time when bourbon was kind of it was beginning on a decline, but the whiskey, the whiskey that they were making that they were putting on shelves, would be eight years old, um, and it would be like from you know, non-GMO corn, first growth wood, um, you know, real all handmade, no computers, and so like this is like this is true artisan. Uh, very, very, it, it one of, was one of bourbons like uh, golden oh. times. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and so it, bourbon is supposed to, just for my own education, bourbon uh, as opposed to whiskey, a bourbon is a blend, right? A well, blend bur- of- so bourbon, to be bourbon, it must be, so there's all these types of whiskeys. So you have, uh, whiskey is essentially a term that means distilled grain aged in wood. Uh-huh. And you have uh, in Scotland, the way they make whiskey there is very different than the way they make in the United States and Canada. Uh, yeah. And, and bourbon is a type of whiskey that comes from predominantly corn. So it always has to be at least 51 percent corn. And there's uh-huh. a lot of there's a lot of other technical things that are with it. But the most important factor is that it always has to go into a new charred oak barrel. And so you look at like Scotch and Irish whiskey and Canadian whiskey and Argentinian whiskey, Mexican whiskey, all the other whiskeys in the world. United States bourbon bourbon is the only one that has to go into a new charred oak barrel. 
So all the other ones are going into used barrels. Used barrels, right. And and the other ones can, can add coloring. You look at that color right there. That's yeah. all from the barrel. Like there is... Oh. There is there is no coloring added to it, so that's all from oh. the barrel. So it it starts out clear, and then you put it in the barrel. That's exactly right. Clear yeah. clears the water from your tap, like moonshine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like moonshine. And and you know when they when it comes off the uh, the still, you know they're calling it new make. Um, you know they're calling it new make. They're calling it. Um, you know all sorts of um white lightning white dog but right. uh, moonshine yeah. is is as good as any but yeah. now what were you with early on like so when this bottle was sitting on the shelf in the in the 70s what were you drinking back then were you drinking whiskey back then uh probably probably not probably not we i was smoking pot back then <laughs> that was what i was doing i i don't i don't uh uh, I didn't really drink much. Uh, I really wasn't a big drinker. And, uh, we, you know, I, I, I love pot smoking. I was a hippie, you know, I was a hippie pot smoker. And, and then it, I would always, you know, I would never smoke before a gig ever. That was like my rule. You don't, cause I'm worried, you know, I'm the singer. I'm worried about my voice. I don't want to, I don't want to hack, hack up my high notes with a bunch of pot smoke. And so uh, uh, I, I pretty much, in fact, it was funny. We used to have a, we used to have a road manager, a stage manager. His name was Chopper. And Chopper, his, his job, other than all of the setting up the gear and all of that kind of stage manager job, was to have a, a big reefer rolled for me when I came off the stage and the second on whatever after the last encore and the show was over, the first thing Chopper would do would hand me a big joint, and you know, uh, and I would smoke pot. And I was never really into any other kind of drugs, cocaine or whatever. And uh, uh, so I what I didn't drink a whole lot, and uh, and so then kind of you know as as. Uh, as I got older, you know, then we had a little beer and then, no, we can't drink beer because you're going to get fat. And no. And then I, then we started, like I said, we started, uh, 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 started with, you know, cheap Jack Daniels mm -hmm. with the cheapest, you know, doers or Jack Daniels or, and then we kind of every, we kind of constantly upgraded, you know? So, and now, I can't smoke pot anymore because it's just so, I mean, you know, as soon as it becomes legal, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore, which kind of was made me mad. You know, all these years I've been a rebel and buying illegal substances. And then, so they make it legal here in California, but it's so strong. You, you, it just knocks the crap out of you. You're, you're done for the rest of the day. You're done. You smoke a joint. Forget about it. Lay down and try to come down. You know, <laughs> so I can't. I just can't do it anymore. And uh, and lately at home, I've been. I uh, I, I like single malt, like Glenn Levitt, or mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's another one. I can't remember the name of it. it starts with a B. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, a friend of mine every every Christmas gives me a bottle of single malt. And uh, 
so that's I kind of sip that after dinner, and you know, I'll have to I'll have to remember that uh, the next shipment you get from me, you know, we'll send you some single malts next time. And this this other this two ninety one is Colorado, huh? Uh huh. Yeah, we we can go there next if you want. This one's got a little bit of heat, though. I will warn you, uh, but it's it's in the genre. Um, I haven't opened this bottle yet. I thought I'll open it. Uh, whoa. I have a fresh glass, so I won't. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the things I um, I was watching some old interviews with you and David Letterman. You had a oh, you had yeah. you you had such a great rapport with Letterman, yeah. And, and like, you know, as as a, as an interviewer, I I love his style of interviewing. But what was it about uh, sitting down with Letterman? You all had such a chemistry, and he doesn't always have a chemistry with everybody. But you guys had such a great chemistry. Well, I think I think at the his girlfriend at the time was a big Tubes fan. And she was actually responsible for continually bugging him about getting me on the show. And so then he listens to some music and then, you know, and I had actually met his girlfriend at a tube show years before. So we kind of started off with something in common and, uh, you know, and, and uh, so we just kind of hit it off right away. And, uh, and uh, it was just real easy for me, very comfortable. And uh, even though, you know, Letterman, it was big time TV and I was a little bit nervous, but. Uh, uh, but just, you, always, you always gave it you always gave him really good jabs back. It was kind of yeah. like, you know, he it was like he would say something and you would come back in with a jab, you know, like, well, you know, you know how that is. You know, I kind of. Yeah, yeah it's from from years of doing interviews and uh but i was a big fan i used to watch it every night he was the, he was my late night you know i after after i kind of stopped watching johnny carson we went to letterman every night and uh and you know we would uh so i knew i mean i had all the backstory i knew you know mm -hmm. i knew where he was coming from and uh uh and i enjoyed it i i did it at I went back a second time actually and did it twice. And uh, uh, I kept, I kept, uh, you know, I said, well, what about the band? What about playing in the band? No, he goes, no, well, I don't think so. Went, okay, whatever. You know, well, he, I'm he, good. He just, he just wanted you and your personality, which, you know, yeah. that's a yeah. compliment. Yeah. I, 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 I had a great time and, uh, so now I don't even recognize him now with his, you know, white hair and his gigantic beard. And boy, he's just letting it all hang out now. Yeah, I, I think I think he's went down that path that uh, a lot of us think we're going to go if we're like stranded in like a desert or a jungle or something. I mean, he's just, he's just he's out yeah. there now. So. He says, I, I, I did it for long enough. I don't care. I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'm good. So uh, as, as we go to the, the 291, one of the, one of the beautiful things about bourbon is it can be made anywhere in the United States, but it has to be made in the United States. And with the growth and resurgence of bourbon, you're seeing a lot of small, a lot of states come in with smaller distilleries. Oh, this is this is hot. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's coming a little hot. It'll be a little hot. So you might oh. want to add water to that if you want. But... A little water. I don't have any water. Uh -huh. It's a little. It's a different. It's a different taste. Yeah, I'll just go easy. I'll go easy. It's good though. God. Ooh. What does it say? Barrel proof, single barrel. What does that mean? Single barrel. It's it's just that. So it's all the whiskey from one barrel. So they're so these guys will only have like that'll only be like 60, 70 bottles. So it'll oh. be like a like a really rare release. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. Cool. Colorado whiskey. Okay. And it's got somebody's signature on the side of this. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, his name is Michael Myers. He's the he's the founder of it. He's a former former fashion photographer. Actually, he may have photographed you back in the day. He used to photograph right. bands and models. And... Yeah, I don't, don't remember, but well, you had you had so many uh, so many you know photo shoots over your career. I'm sure. Did you ever see us? Did you ever see the tubes? I've not I seen think... I have not seen the tubes in person, but uh, I can guarantee you I'm I am worth a nickel of your. Uh, of your streaming, I think I think a nickel equals like a hundred thousand stream. Yeah, stream really. <laughs> really. Yeah, so I'm, I'm making money off streaming. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you think about the state of music in terms of how you can make money as a musician? I. Well, there's only you can't make any money off streaming. I don't care how big the the song is. Mm -hmm. In fact, I just read an article the other day in the New York Times about how they're saying streaming is killing songwriting. Because people, people, you know, they, they did a poll uh, and they said, well, what do you like more, the song or the artist? They said, oh, we like the song. So they pretty much, you know, so that kind of leaves the artist out in the cold. And uh, uh, really the only way we can make money these days is by live performance. And so, or, and, and selling merchandise online. And so uh, with the pandemic, obviously, that's killed our whole live performing uh, income stream. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, and, you know, and, and, and so now it's down to, you know, social media and Instagram, I guess now Instagram, now you can, you can buy stuff. And people are, are, that's another platform for selling merchandise. And so we've, you know, we've at, at the tubes, well, we both, the, I have a feewayville.com and there's the tubes.com and we're selling on the tubes, we're selling coffee mugs and we're selling beer bottle openers as well as, you know, CDs and vinyl and t-shirts. And we've really kind of expanded our whole, uh, you know, category of, of stuff to buy. And, uh, you know, because we had to, because, because there's no live gigs and, and, you know, the, the sad thing is that right before 2000 in 2019, we, uh, for years and years, we got, you know, we broke up, we broke up back in 88 after, after being on the road for like 15 years and we broke up and everybody just got tired and I couldn't handle it anymore. And uh, it was just, we were exhausted. And we broke up and uh, 
We got back together in 94 with only a five-man band instead of a seven-man band. One of, one of the guys, uh, uh, Mike Cotton, moved to New York City and became a graphic designer, and he didn't want to tour anymore, and he was doing really well. And then Bill Spooner uh, had married a woman who wouldn't let him go back on the road, and so he was out. And so it was down to... Uh, uh, it was down to five of us left. And right before we got back together, unfortunately, the keyboard player, Vince Welnick, committed suicide. And uh, which was really, really sad. And uh, yeah. uh, and so we had a different keyboard player. But then we, we uh, uh, I don't remember where I was going with that now that I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But then, so then we've been back together uh, for, since 94, I remember now. And, and we had a, we had a, we had a management company. We, you know, we actually had an agent way back then who was a, was into crack and hookers. <laughs> Wait, you had an agent into crack and hookers? Yeah, and I can't remember his name. I thank God. Like, did and, he but, did, like did he bring that stuff backstage or? No, no, not really, because he was a booking agent, so we really hardly ever saw him. But he kind of completely burned out, and 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 uh, and then we got another, and then we got a, a management for a short time, but pretty much, uh, pretty much for about uh, ever since about maybe. 95 or 96 maybe we had no management it, and i did everything i was mm -hmm. the manager i did i booked the shows i booked the travel i i worked with a booking agent on what gigs to take and 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 what not to take and trying to figure out you know what the lo logistics were and and so and that lasted and we went on and on and on and 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 uh until about the beginning of 2019. And in 2019, we met a f through a friend of a friend, we met a guy named Jonathan Wolfson, who was a band manager, a former PR guy that became a band manager. And he managed Hall and Oates, who he brought back from Total Obscurity and, uh, and Loverboy. And I went out and met him and I had him come to a show here in Los Angeles and he loved us. And he said, okay, I'll take you guys on. And so I was thrilled and we were all thrilled. And the guy's brilliant. And, uh, and he's also uh, affiliated with Live Nation. And we really weren't a Live Nation band. We were kind of bucking Live Nation, mm. you know, which, which is, as you may imagine, difficult since they own everything and they own all the agencies and they own the venues and uh, anyway. So as of 2019, we were, I mean, we, we worked more than we had ever worked in our entire career because we had Live Nation behind us. We were doing shows with, you know, with Hall & Oates and we were doing shows with Loverboy and uh, that would be a good interview for you to do is Mike Reno. He is he is a great guy. We've been friends for years and years and years. He lives in Canada, in Vancouver, and uh, he would love this. He would love this whiskey tasting thing. 
and he's a great singer too. And so we've done a lot. We, we did a ton of shows with them in 2019 and we just worked like crazy. And, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, what, one year of this, 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 uh, great time. And then the pandemic hits. Yeah. And so we are, you know, we should, in fact, the last gig we did, I still remember was, uh, we did a weekend with Loverboy and we played uh, the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. We played the original uh, Grand Old Opry and it was spectacular. Oh my God, it was so great. And people loved it and went crazy. And we, and we did a beautiful theater also in Chicago at the Genesee Theater outside Chicago. And, uh, and that was January 21st of 2020 and that was the last gig we've done and so now we're looking at uh what 15 months later 16 months later uh i mean i was telling i was talking to the guys the other day because they want to start working again Mm -hmm. and we have uh we just confirmed some shows uh for august 20th we're going to start back up august 20th and start working again and uh now, do you do you still get in your your wig and your in, oh yeah in your onesies? Yeah, and the big shoes that are yeah this big. Uh, yes, I did, or I had. I, God, you know, I was telling the guys, and I said we got to rehearse. I mean, I said I can't even remember the words from to White Punks on Dope, and I've only you know we performed that song ten thousand times, and. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, obviously I do, but uh, so I'm scheduling a rehearsal actually for next month. I said, let's just, you know, rehearse a few days in June and then rehearse a few days in July and then rehearse a few days in August before we head back out again. So, you know, so we're not. Have you have you ever thought about like auctioning off like the the outfits like after a show for Uh, do that? We have in the past. Yes, we, we used to do it in when we were in San Francisco in the early days. We used to do uh, uh, a tubes auction. Uh, we used to do it every year. We would auction off old props and old sets and old costumes. And and we used to do a tubes talent hunt also. We were pretty much the, you know, the, you know, the, 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 talk of the town in San Francisco. I mean, we ruled in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I know you all were, were hugely popular in like uh, what's called the most outrageous band uh, in the country. And like, I mean, there's like all of these like legendary stories of people running into you as well in San Francisco. And so it's like, it's kind of like, there's like, there's this myth and the legend around the tubes and you in particular, yeah. Fee. It's just, yeah. it, it's just kind of cool, you know? It's, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's completely exaggerated, as you may imagine. I mean, they, <laughs> they, used to th- they used to say that, you know, we were X-rated and we were performing live sex on stage. And I just, I mean, we had, we had dancers. We had the two bets. And in the beginning, they would dance topless. Because in San Francisco, you could get away with that. But once you got outside of town, depending on where you were, either they had to have pasties over their nipples or they had to wear a bra kind of, you know, top. 
And uh, in fact, I remember we rolled into the Midwest. I think we were playing uh, Kansas City. And they, of course, our reputation preceded us. And so, uh, and so this happened a number of times. They would, they would want us to post an obscenity bond. And if you were obscene in their estimation, you would forfeit your bond. And sometimes the bond was as high as like $10,000, mm. you know, I remember, I remember, so we, you know, we, I would have to sit down like in Kansas city, the guy goes, okay, well, we, we want a $10,000 obscenity bond. And I, and you know, back then we didn't have $10,000. I mean, we, we, we had a ma- I mean, our first tour, we went out with 35 people. We had a massive we had eight dancers. We had a huge crew. We had our own set. Nobody would really let us open for them because of our reputation. So our first tour, we went out as a headliner and we played, you know, small theaters, you know, 12, 1500 seat theaters. And uh, so, you know, we would spend pretty much every dime we made on our insane production and we loved it. And art for art's sake used to be our model. And we didn't care, you know, we would just, we would spend it, you know. Uh, so anyway, we were, we cut, we roll into Kansas city and the district attorney of the state of Kansas came to the gig and, and sits down with me and, and he says, okay, well, you're going to have to post a $10,000 obscenity bond because we've heard about you and you're going to have, you know, if you have nudity or if you have live sex on stage, you know, you're going to, not only are you going to shut you down, we're keeping the $10,000. And, and I knew this was coming and it had happened before. And so prayer, we had a, uh, a body stocking, you know, a one nude body stocking, nude colored. And we painted prairie airbrushed tits and genitalia on this body stocking. And that's what I would pull out of the costume box and show to the district attorney and going, look, there's no nudity. They're wearing this body stocking with painted on genitalia. It's painted. It's airbrush. It's, there's no nudity. And they go, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we don't, we don't want to post a bond because we're going to be wearing this new. Of course, they never, ever wore the nude body stocking and uh but but you know we we also didn't allow them to go completely topless either they would wear their little pasties you know with tassels on them or whatever uh and, well uh, i i think by the way i i forgot to mention i will be having mike reno on the show so i i am excited that oh, you, really? you you called that out and mentioned that yeah he will be coming oh, i think i think i'm interviewing him next week so great. oh my god that's great that's great. Uh, I'm a, I love Mike. He's a great guy, and we really enjoy uh, playing with them. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that uh, uh, Jonathan and uh, Tom they, they they do such a great job for you all. And they, you know, yeah. I've I've had Daryl Hall on before too, so I have a great relationship oh, really? with them. Oh, good. So good, really good. good. Uh, you've got good representation there. Um, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled 
that with them. And like I said, it's just, it's, it's after all these years, you know, we, we finally pulled down the big time agent and management and booking people. And then what, a year later, you're in the toilet. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the beautiful thing is, is that, you know, we're all, we're all coming back. And I actually, this might be the time to bring out the sex on the stage fee. I mean, you could really, you, you could probably pull it off right now, you know? Yeah, we probably could. We haven't, when we got back together uh, with just the five man band, you know, we didn't just, it's funny. We started, you know, we started, what happened was uh, I was, I had left and I moved to LA and I met Richard Marks. And Richard Marks and I became very close friends. We still are. I mean, we could talk about it later, but Richard and I did my Freeway Bill Rides Again album. And we've been friends for 38 years. And and I started writing lyrics for Richard. And, you know, his first album sold 5 million records or something like that. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was fine. I was sitting around going to the gym in L.A. and uh, waiting for the mailman you know, to show up with the publishing checks. And, uh, and then the band called me up and, and they had played without me for a short period of time. And that didn't mm-hmm. go very well. And, uh, but a promoter from Germany, uh, got a hold of them, uh, and said, you know, I, I want to offer you a, a, a 65 show tour of Europe. Wow. But only if fee is in the band. No, no tour without fee. And so they called me up and said, okay, well, this is the offer. I said, okay, well, okay, let's do that. And so we got back together and we started rehearsing. And like I said, it was 94 and, and, you know, we've been together now, you know, what, 25 years on the second go round. And, uh, uh, but we started, you know, we kept, we sat down and we went, well, you know, if we spend every dime on production like we did before, they'll, once again, there'll be nothing left. Right. So why don't we just play? Don't do anything, just play. And, and so we did that for that first tour of Germany. And, I, and people kept, you know, people kept looking at us going, what? And <laughs> we, what? And kept waiting for something to happen. And it never did. And uh, 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 that's awesome, though. It, to tell it, so I, I know you worked with Richard on uh, Feeway Bill Rides Again. Tell us about that. Like, what was that like? And uh, I, that's that's been an enormous, you know, hit for you. Yeah, I'm so proud of it. I mean, my, unbelievable. Um, well, you know. Like I said, Richard and I have been Richard. I met Richard. He he came to a session we were doing in 1983 with David Foster, mm-hmm. uh, doing the Outside Inside album. In fact, we were recording "She's a Beauty," the biggest hit that the Tubes ever had. And Richard came to the session because he uh, was in L.A. and he had a connection and wanted to meet David because he was, you know, uh, he admired his producing and wanted to learn. He was 18 years old. And so he came to a session and uh, uh, one of the guys in the band was trying to do a solo and was having a hard time and was hung over and just couldn't, <clears throat> excuse me, could not get it right. 
and we kept doing take after take after take and it was just me and and dave david and uh, umberto gatica the engineer and uh and uh he kept coming back in the studio going and david went dude this is not happening you got to work on your work on your amp work on your sound and he was so frustrated and got more and more pissed off and uh so at one point <laughs> At one point, he's standing in the studio just going, oh, oh, and he looks around and he sees Richard sitting in the back of the room, just in the shade, kind of sitting there being really quiet, you know, and you know, who the hell is this guy? And he just goes off on him, you know, Where, what the hell is this guy doing? And I was like, get this guy out of here. Come on. And he just flips out. And uh, and I, I just went, dude. This is, it's just some kid that wants to meet Foster. You know, don't worry about him. Just go do your shit. You know, get your, get your part done. Don't worry about him. He's fine. And uh, so I just defended him and uh, not even knowing who he was or anything about him. And then at the end of the session, uh, he comes up to me and he goes, oh man, thanks so much. And, you know, uh, and, and, and he said, you know, I'm a big fan of your lyrics. I've, I, I've, I've followed the tubes and I know I, I love your lyrics. And would you write a song with me? And wow. I went, okay, well, sure. So we did, we started writing together and, uh, 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 gosh. And then I did a solo album in 84 and, and wrote in one of the songs that we wrote together was on that record. And anyway, over the years, we continued to be very close. And I wrote songs on his first record and the second record and the third record and fourth, every, pretty much every record he ever released. I have a, a couple or a couple, three songs that I wrote the lyrics for. And I've had a, you know, been very lucky and had a couple of hits with him and, uh, uh, so we, we just remained friends and uh, we used to, he lived in Chicago at the time and he ended up marrying a, a, a tubes dancer after she had quit the tubes. She, not, she didn't act, he didn't meet her through me, but Cynthia Rhodes used to be a tubes dancer and then she quit and became an actress and did, you know, dirty dancing and flash dance and a number of, uh, of movies. And they met and they got, they got together and they got married and they had three sons and I'm the godfather to those three boys, Brandon, Lucas, and Jesse. And when the boys were young, we used to, every year, we used to do a boys trip. That was like an annual thing in the summer. Richard, Richard's, his father uh, had a cabin in Manaqua, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. I have a good friend who lives out there way up at the top yeah. north end in the lakes and we used to drive from chicago up to Manaqua and hang out in the in the cabin for a week with the boys and we would do you know rafting and horseback riding and fishing and you know a bunch of boys stuff mm -hmm. and uh, we did that for years and years and years and then one year uh i think it was 2000 13 maybe so that would have made uh brandon brandon the oldest was born in in 1990 
So he would have been, you know, 23 or something. And, uh, you know, I, I went to Chicago and went, well, we're going to do a boys trip. And the boys all kind of went, no, I gotta, I gotta, I'd rather go see my girlfriend. You know, yeah. we're going for, and so they completely bailed out on the boys trip. And, and I was there and Richard's Richard had a studio in his house. He, he had this gorgeous house up North of Chicago on the lake on Lake Michigan. And he had built a recording studio and, uh, and he goes, well, let's go write a song, you know, you know, maybe well, let's just write a song and see what happens. And so I said, okay, fine. And uh, so we, instead of going to Manaqua, we went and wrote Faker, the first song on the record. And, uh, and that's, that was it. That started it. And then, you know, we got together again and we wrote a couple more. We wrote How Dare You and Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda and Promised Land. And so we had, you know, around, around in the next couple of years, you know, by about 2015, we had four songs in the can. And then we kind of, we kind of, uh, the whole thing kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. We went on the road, he got a divorce, he moved to Malibu or to California originally. And so everything got put on the shelf. And we kept, you know, I'd see him every once in a while. And he'd go, well, let's get back to doing your solo album. Yeah, okay. And then pretty much four or five years went by and we did nothing. And then uh, once again in 2019, in the, in the, in the summer, uh, he was kind of pretty much settled. And, and uh, we had been working a lot, the tubes had, and I, and, and I had some time and some money and, uh, uh, you know, we said, well, let's go, let's go back in and finish it. And so we did. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we, couple, we drug up some, the, the one song say goodbye was a song that I had written for him, a ballad I had written for him. And he had never managed to get it on one of his records because he had too many ballads already. And so that one, I really love that song. I said, well, let's do that one out. Let me do a vocal on that one. And then uh, uh, the, uh, and we were, so we're looking for songs. He goes, well, let's write. So we started writing and then we came, and then I, you know, I, he had another song, Still You on the Inside was a song that he had written for Daughtry with, okay. uh, with Chad uh, from Nickelback. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he always, you know, whoever he's writing with or for, you know, he's written a lot of songs with Keith Urban and, uh, uh, and uh, he would always send me the songs, just go, hey, I wrote this one, what do you think? And so I had that song on my iTunes, on my computer here, and I kept listening to it over and over and over, and I just loved that song. And, and then Daughtry said, no, no, thanks. I don't want to do it. And I just went... Are you kidding me? And, and and so I told Richard, I said, I want to do that. You you know, I didn't write it. I have nothing to do with it. I just, you know, and the, and the vocal that Chad did on the demo was unbelievable. I mean, that guy is such a great, great singer. I'm a huge fan. And uh, uh, that's another guy you should get on, Chad, uh, another Canadian. And uh, uh, so we did that one. And then... Uh, we wrote a couple. We wrote uh, 
meant to be alone. We wrote, how dare you? We wrote, uh, uh, oh, the, the, uh, well, we kind of half wrote, uh, uh, man of the world was a song that we had both forgotten. And Richard, so Richard's going through his, his old, you know, work tapes and he comes up with this, this track that has no, uh, lyrics to it. No, or, and he goes, and he liked the track and he sent it to me and he goes, what, what is this? Do you remember what this was? And I, we should, and I said, no, I don't remember that. I, I completely forgot it. And he goes, well, see if you can find it. And so I started, it, it's funny. I couldn't remember the name of it. I couldn't remember the lyrics and nothing. And on my, on my, my laptop here, I have a folder that is just lyrics and uh, some lyrics, you know, some poems. You know, I did a, a poetry book a couple of years ago, and a lot of the poems are there that never became songs and or never became song lyrics. And uh, so I started, I, and he goes, try and find it. And so there was kind of a half of a melody line in the track that he sent me. And I started going through my list of lyrics, starting with A. And then I would, then I, I played the track, and then I would look at the list of, look at the A song and see if it fit into the of the the meter of the length of the of the melody line. And, mm -hmm. and, and I did that, and it, no, it didn't fit. So I went to B, then I went to C, then I went to D, and then I, I got all the way to M. And when I got to M, I had this lyric, Man of the World, and all of a sudden, this is it. And it was like half halfway done. And uh, so I finished it. You know, we went in, did more overdubs and vocals, and finished that. So it kind of, th this record is, is, gosh, I guess from seven years in the making, seven years. And... Uh, and I'm so, God, it's, I, I, you know, it's, I'm so proud of it and so proud of him. And the, the thing with Richard is, Richard is, is probably the most brilliant songwriter I, I've certainly ever worked with, including, or, or producer, including mm -hmm. David Foster, who is, you know, obviously brilliant. But there's something about Richard that uh i mean not to mention his sense of of hooks his sense of chorus uh uh in his sense of building the song to a climax uh and uh but i think it's because we're so close and he knows when when we're when he's producing a vocal with me in the studio we're so close he knows exactly what i can do and what I can't do. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't push me to a place that I can't go. Basically. I don't know how to say this, but he knows, he knows. And if he, and I'll do a line and he'll go, that's it. Or he'll go, no, this is not this. You, 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 you're a little bit sharp on this. I need you to do this. And, and the, the one exception to this was the, the still you on the inside track, because Chad, like I said, is such a great singer, and he's got a really high tenor voice, and 
I told Richard, I said, I want to do this song. He goes, well, you know, man, the, the ending chorus, he, the guy, he jumps up an octave at the ending chorus to sing the melody line, an octave higher, and it's really high. And he really had a hard time doing it. And I don't know. I don't know if you can, if you can pull this off or not and, and not have it sound really strained. And uh, I went, well, you know, I, Richard, I think I can do it. you got to give me a shot. And so... Uh, and so I, I did it and, and, it, you know, we're in the little studio here in, in, on Melrose in, in LA here in Hollywood. And, uh, and, and he just kind of went, Oh my God, you fucking pulled it off. It's funny. The only other time, like I said, he knows me, he knows, he's seen me a million times. He knows exactly what I can do. There was, there's this, uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know if you, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Pavarotti. Okay. okay. And I'm a big fan. And the and James Brown has always been a big fan of the tubes. We've done James Brown songs mm -hmm. for years and years and years. We used to do James Brown songs. Uh, and I would play a Mexican cab driver singing James Brown. <laughs> and... Jesus Bongo was his what, name. What what are you pouring now? Would you pour more of the two ninety one? Two ninety one, yeah. Well, I was gonna say let's go let's go oh. to the let's go to the barrel. The Unless barrel you want to stay on two ninety one, we can do that. No, 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 I've got another clean glass right here. I've got yeah. another glass. Right on. Okay, let's go to the barrel bourbon cask strength. Aged fifteen years. Fifteen years. A hundred and six point two five proof. 106.25 proof, yeah. Packing oh, a little heat for you. God almighty. I'm pretty much getting there done already. Okay. Okay. So uh, are, are you are you doing any acting right now? Well, nobody's doing any acting right now, pretty much. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but, ooh, ooh, that's good. Oh, wow. 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 That's really good. Man. So I was saying, uh, that's 93 proof. This is 106 proof. Wow. And the rum is 94 proof. Oh, God. Uh, uh, God. That's good. So we there there. So James uh, Pavarotti in in two thousand two, Pavarotti did a benefit concert in Italy for Angola, mm -hmm. and he did a bunch of duets with all kinds of different people. And one of the duets, you can find this online. He did a duet with James Brown, and they did "This Is a Man's World." This is a man world, James Brown song, and Pavarotti sung it in in Italian, and I heard this, and I've talked the band into doing it, and we did it where I and I sang it, I sang both parts, I sang Pavarotti's part in Italian, and actually I'm I'm Sicilian by ethnicity, my my grandmother came from Sicily, 
And I don't speak Italian very well, but I, I can, you know, I've got the accent <laughs> anyway. And I sang that in Italian and I sang the James Brown part. And I, I, we played Chicago once. Uh, we played uh, a little theater in Chicago where, when, when Richard was living in Chicago and he came to see us. And he just lost, when I did this, he'd lost it completely. It was so great. And, and usually it's the other way around, you know? And, uh, and he came back after the show and said, man, I can't believe it. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know you could sing like that. And so anyway, it was good, but, uh, uh, I didn't mean to, to, that's so cool, man. I, you know, cause Pavarotti died not too long after that. Right. Like, yeah. he, I yeah. mean, and so, like, you know, I think he died in uh, 2006, 2007. So that would have been one of his last last yeah. shows. Yeah, last shows. Yeah, it was amazing. Really amazing. But so what would go back? What did you what did I interrupt you? Oh, I, I think I interrupted you while you were pouring whiskey. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was wanting to chat a little bit about your your your, your time as an actor, because I know you. Oh, right. You know, you did. um you, you you did a lot of uh you tried out for a lot of gigs and you and you just kept you kept going after it and I was you know curious you know where you are and at what stage in your acting career well I am obsessed with making it to Broadway obsessed I I you know in fact I just saw an article the other day uh Hamilton's opening again mm-hmm. in Broadway and I want to play the king uh, in fact, I've got, I've got that right on my computer right here, that song, You'll Be Back by the King in, in Hamilton. I would love to play that part. Uh, and I, and I'll, some, I'm confident, you know, I'm going to manifest it and it'll happen. It'll, I'll make it to Broadway and, you know, and people say, oh, it doesn't pay very much and blah, blah, it's so difficult and so many shows. I don't care. I, I don't care. I would do pretty much anything to make it to Broadway, but I have been, uh, uh, for years now, almost 20 years, there's a, there's a summer stock theater in Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's in a little town called Augusta, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, about 20 miles east of Kalamazoo. So like Southwestern it's kind of right in the middle of Grand Rapids and, and, uh, and Kalamazoo and Lansing and, uh, uh, there's a theater there called the Barn, and it's an old. It's it's a it's called the Barn Theater. It's an actual milk barn. It's an old Quonset hut milk barn that that has been turned into a theater, and it's just beautiful. They've just you know all the wood's been done and the roof's been done, and they've created wings on the side of the stage. It's about a seven seven hundred seater maybe something like that. And uh, I've been working there my first year. The first year I worked there was 1998. And the the patriarch, uh, his name was Ragazzi, and his son, Brendan Ragazzi, has become the director of the theater. And Brendan Ragazzi uh, went to San Jose State, San Jose State University right down the road from San Francisco in the Mm -hmm. 80s. 
And so the tubes were huge in the 80s. And Brendan was a big fan of, of the tubes. And so Brendan goes back and takes over running the theater. And in, in 1998, uh, they're do, every year they used to do Rocky Horror Show. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy, Sal, his name was, the guy that used to pay, play Frankenfurter got really big. And he got really heavy and he couldn't fit into the bustier anymore. <laughs> so, and so Brendan had the idea of, and this was 98. So this is before the internet. This is before Google. This is before cell phones. And Brendan had the idea that, oh, Fee Wayville would be such a great Frankenfurter. And, but he didn't know how to get a hold of me. He didn't know what to do. And so a guy, uh, uh, the, the guy, Jim Cummins, was the guy that did the sound for the building. And he was happened to be talking to Jim one day. And Jim, and he said, oh, I'd love to get Fee Wayville. And Jim goes, yeah, well, I don't know. Anyway, uh, uh, I, am, I am living in L.A. And I've got my two dogs, Minnie and Mona. And we go to this park every day, Woodley Park in the valley and uh, on Burbank and Woodley. And we're walking the dogs every day. I take the dogs out to walk. In fact, I have a, I have my new dog here, Daisy. Daisy, Daisy, you want to come here? Come here, Daisy. Come here. Come here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come here. Come here, Daisy. Come here. Run up here. Come on. Oh, Daisy. Aww. Oh, Daisy's a yellow lab. And female, oh, oh baby, and we rescued her from China. Oh she wow! Was in, we got her in December, right before the pandemic, and Daisy was uh, Daisy was about to be dinner in China, and we, some friends of ours rescue dogs over there, and they they got her out. And anyway, she's a sweetheart. Anyway, so I am walking wow. my dog in this little park, hmm. and I met a guy who had a big black German shepherd. And, and uh, he, he recognized me. Uh, his name was Pete. And Pete kind of came up to me with his dog. And I had my two dogs. And he goes, oh, you're Fee Wayville. And I said, yeah. And he goes, hi, I'm Pete. And it turns out, and I said, okay, well, let's walk with the dogs. And they played and had a great time. And, uh, and uh, Pete is a cameraman from Michigan. And he said, Oh, I'm out here doing some camera work. I'm doing a commercial for them, blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, okay, great. And then, so Pete, that night, Pete, who is a friend of this sound guy, Jim, in Michigan, calls Jim up and he goes, Jim, you know what? I had a great day today. I met Fee Wayville and we walked our dogs together. And Jim goes, Fee Wayville, what? And he goes, Brendan's been trying to get a hold of this guy to come and do Rocky Horror Show. And, and so Jim says to Pete, give him Brendan's phone number, have him call Brendan. And so the next day we go back to the park. I see Pete again at the park. Pete hands me this piece of paper. It goes, there's a guy in Michigan at this summer stock theater who wants to hire you to be Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror Show. And I just went, really? Okay. And so I called Brendan up and this was like February or March of 98. And he goes, uh, 
Brendan says, I want, you're it. I want you to do Rocky Horror. Do you want to do it? I went, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, okay, I'm sending you the script. I'm sending you the tape. Show up in whatever. It was the last play of the year. So that usually happens around uh, August 15th. They do two weeks of rehearsal and then mm-hmm. two weeks performances. And pretty much the season ends around Labor Day in Michigan. And so I went, that's great. Okay, let's do it. And I learned it and I sang it and I showed up and uh, I fit into the bustier because I'm a skinny. And, uh, and I. And I'm still in good shape, mind you. Still look I, trim and fit. And I. I, uh, I uh, it's funny because the, the costume woman brings out these women's shoes, these open toed pumps, and the heel is about that high, mm-hmm. right? Or and she goes, oh, these are pretty high. Do you think you're going to be able to walk in these? And I went, ma'am, okay. I have shoes that are 18 inches high that I can walk in. <laughs> this is not going to be a problem for me. That will be no problem whatsoever. And uh, so, so I started doing it in 98. And then pretty much every other year since then, I've done it. And, I've, and then, I, brand, I, then I, did, uh, I did a couple of other plays. I did Civil War, the Civil War with Frank Wildhorn. The guy, Frank Wildhorn wrote this play called The Civil War. And it's about the Civil War. And it, the songs are just brilliant. And I played the leader of the Confederacy and sang a couple songs. And of course, I die every night. I died every night. <laughs> and uh, and then we did, uh, I've done a couple times, I've done uh, Spamalot. You know, I, are you a Monty Python fan? You know, uh, I, Monty Python was like something I would watch all the time. But... <laughs> They all kind of jumble into one, like uh, one, one, one movie for me, you know. Yeah. Well, that and the the, the play, the musical comedy Spamalot is kind of a combination of all as, of those movies. As we go to the rum now, this is the Diplomatico. Uh, so you're so you all right. So your your vision right now is we're wanting to get you on Broadway. And here's yeah. here is the thing. There are people who listen to this show who are uh, are in Broadway and are Broadway bookers and off Broadway. And really? my one of my one of my former agents is really connected into the Broadway scene. Really? And, and like and it's like I have like I have like friends in that area. And I I have to tell you, I think you would be perfect. I think you'd be perfect I- in Hamilton. But it, I think I would. I think I would. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, but if I know. Not, if I know. Not, I know it. If not Hamilton, what would you would you do a new show? Would you do? Um, yeah, I'd do anything at this point just to get in my in the door on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I would do anything, pretty much. And I, you know, uh, Elizabeth and I, my wife Elizabeth. Uh, who is the love of my life. And my God, she's the most brilliant person I have ever met. I don't know where I would be without her. Uh, we, we go to New or we, we had before, you know, the, the scourge that we are experiencing. We, we've been to Broadway quite a number of times. And every time we go, we go to the, to Broadway, mm-hmm. we go to see plays, we go to see 
uh, gosh, I don't know. We, we've, we've seen so many plays there. We saw uh, Brian Cranston do network. Oh, wow. Oh my God. It was spectacular. And Brian Cranston is, uh, well, he's not really a friend, but he, he's an LA guy Mm -hmm. and he always, uh, I have a close friend who is a DJ at an ESPN sports channel uh, on the radio, sports show. John Ireland, his name is. And and Brian Cranston is a big sports fan, big Dodgers fan, big Lakers fan. And he goes on all the time. And that's how I actually found out about him doing network. And, uh, uh, and of course, I'm, you know, I was a huge fan of Breaking Bad. Yeah, and, I mean, great movie, great series. Oh, I mean. Yeah, Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, even Aaron Paul's stuff, El Camino, that movie is great. And uh, now they have a tequila, like everyone else on the face of the earth. They yeah. have a tequila. Uh, Brian and, and Aaron Paul have a tequila. And uh, I can't remember the name of it. Dos, Dos Hermanos, like the, Dos yeah. Hermanos, like the name of the Chinese, like the chicken the, restaurant. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds right. Um, I, I haven't been too involved with, you know, following that. But, yeah, there, a lot of people have tequilas now. And, yeah, you know, okay, and I'm trying this rum now. Now it's rum time. And then you have to pick, B, you have to pick your favorite after this, after this tasting. Mm. Gosh. That's, rum is kind of sweet, you know. Uh, I don't like that as much as the bur- as the bourbon. Uh, there's a, the only place, there's a, there's a rum in Jamaica called Ray and Nephew. It's a clear rum and it's overproof. It's like 65% alcohol. And this is a little sweet. It's not, it's not quite that sweet. But there's, a, there's a, a place we've been to a couple of times called Golden Eye. Have you heard of Golden Eye? Uh, a resort in Jamaica. It's just No, east. I've not heard of it. I've not been there. It's east of Ocho Rios. And Golden okay. Eye was started. Uh, gosh, and I can't remember who, who was the guy that wrote all the James Bond novels. Ian Fleming. Yeah, Ian Fleming. Yeah. Ian Fleming had a house in this little spot, each of east of Ocho Rios, and he turned it into into a resort. So now there's a resort there, and uh, called Golden Eye, mm-hmm. and uh, all of the. All of the, uh, and we've been there a couple of times and it's just spectacular. And we go there and we drink this Ray and Nephew rum. It's so, the only time I ever drink rum pretty much is if I'm on vacation in a, in a place like that. And, well, I'm looking uh, around. I have, I have that in my office. Uh, you have Ray and Nephew? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's one of my favorite brands. I'm Ooh. just, lo- I'm just looking on the wall. I'm not, it's not jumping out, but. It is a uh, it is a great 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 brand uh, out of Jamaica. I think I think this I think this barrel barrel is barrel is, barrel is your champion. Yeah, barrel bourbon calf strength. Well, I, 106. Oh my God, 15 years. Age. And for That's those pretty- listening who know the know the bourbon, uh, this is the gray label from 2018. Ooh. 
Yeah, and and they still make this, right? Yeah, it's an annual it's an annual limited edition release, uh -huh. um, and it, it's been um, it's been fifteen years old every time. Uh, but it's uh, they do a, they do a really good job. They're really great blenders. Wow, barrel. So you've okay. got some. Uh, the tubes have you guys are going to go back out on. Uh, Get back out on the road in uh, in August. Uh, August twentieth, we're playing a club here in 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 uh, Orange County called the Coach House, and then the twenty first, we're flying to Phoenix, and we're going to play a casino there in Scottsdale called the Talking Stick Casino. All right. And then on the next day, the twenty second, we're going to Rockland, California, which is like outside Sacramento, mm -hmm. and like a theme park kind of place there okay and then uh and then they're working on dates for uh september and october Oct uh, september we've got a bunch of east coast dates planned uh i mean this is all you know this is all pending any kind of fourth wave fifth wave yeah how many how many waves there have been but pending another wave of this hideous virus but they just i just read today uh that cdc said uh uh you don't have to wear a mask anymore if yeah, you're, if you're, you're vaccinated. vaccinated which i am I went, I went i went to dodger stadium and they were you know dodger stadium had the, the whole parking lot they they put like a billion cones and you would wind your way through these cones back and forth and back and forth and back. And finally, you get to the spot where they were vaccinating you. And you didn't even have to get out of the car. You just roll the window down and stick your arm out. And that was it. Bam. Okay. <laughs> You're done. Well, so. you know, Fee, we survived a little piece of history there, you know. And in 100 years, they're going to be looking back on us like, what the hell were those people doing? They screwed that up. There was no, there was no right way to handle this, but we guarantee it. Our society screwed it up uh, of like how to handle it. And uh, I'm just, I'm just so thankful. We're about to see you on stage again. About to see. Oh, me too. I, I cannot wait. And I, you know, I, in fact, I was just looking earlier today. I was looking at old set lists, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. the last. In 2019, we started doing uh, the Completion Backward Principle album, you know, from in order, top to bottom in order, Completion Backward Principle. And uh, and then, you know, take a, a short break. Well, not really a break, but Prairie Prince would play a drum solo for, you know, five minutes. He's incredible. And uh, and then we would come back out and do, you know, what do you want? Other The other iconic songs that everybody wants to hear what do you want from life out of the business you know white punks on dope talk to you later she's a beauty etc etc and uh so we were just uh talking together with the guys going well what should we do should we continue with completion backward and a lot of these dates have not seen this show because you know we had a huge we had a huge list of dates for 2020 right that we cancel because you know obviously you know why yeah. uh, so so anyway we're 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 working on it and we're going to be back i'm thrilled i'm thrilled that we're going to be back well and, fee it, i gotta tell you i can't wait to see you uh 
like I said, I had not seen you on stage, but I've seen you on many of the YouTubes. I've seen, I've listened to you forever. And it's a, it's an honor for me to have you on my show. So I want to raise a glass to you, my friend. Oh, and, okay. Well, and the uh, tubes. Okay. So Fred, what city are you in? I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. And isn't that close to the border? Isn't that like near Cincinnati? Yeah, we're about we're about an hour from uh, Cincinnati, hour and a half, depending how you're driving. But yeah, we border Indiana. Um, we're not far from uh, Illinois. We're not far from Ohio. Uh, Tennessee uh, is the longest drive that I can okay. think of of all the bordering states. But um, well, I was going to say Cincinnati is on the list. We're going to play Cincinnati. Oh, in there. October. I'm in October. There. And, and like, you know, let me know, uh, stay in contact and text me or whatever. And I'll, yep. and I'll make sure you're on the list for Cincinnati. Okay. Done. I'm trying to remember the name of the venue and I can't remember the name of it, but somewhere in Cincinnati, and we haven't played Cincinnati for quite a while, but it, I know it's on the way because they want us to fly out to Cincinnati and then go on the next night to uh, long Island. Hmm. And, uh, so yeah. So that's, you'll have you'll get that's an fantastic. Okay. Well, con congratulations for getting uh, getting back on stage soon. Congratulations on the uh, on the solo album. That's been a huge success, and just just uh, everything that you're doing is awesome. And I can feel it. You put it out there, and this audience is going to help propel it. You, my friend, are going to be on in Broadway soon. So, oh. well, you know, any connection you have, are you're free to give them my contact information. And I, you know, through Tom or through whatever, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm going to manifest it and I know it'll happen. And thank you very much for your help. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, I believe, I believe in you, Fee. Cheers. Okay, man. Cheers, Fred. Whoa. Okay. Barbell bourbon is my hit, my hit. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I got to take a nap now. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Well, how about that, folks? V-Way Bill, how about it for V-Way Bill? Woo! Party! Actually, he's the kind of guy that I can see myself really throwing down some party action. Woo, that'd be a good time. So, listen, that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Be safe out there. No licking handrails, no licking trash cans. Remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Michter's American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.